Good afternoon. It's good to see all of you physically. You know, when we uh, when I did that video, I can see I, I can see all of you, but uh, but uh, I cannot see your faces because the camera was at the back, so I can see your backs only. That's why whenever I asked you to to uh, for your reaction, that's why I asked you to raise your hands because that's the only way I can see you. And and the video was a bit blurry, so the raising your hands is the way to see you because even if it's blurry, I can. I can see your hands being raised, so that was the reason. <laughs> uh, I praise God that uh, the trip, my trip back was good, and okay, that's okay. Trip back was good, and sadly, it's uh, my heart is heavy because uh, I wish I could stay there longer because uh, my parents need my company. I need, they need my, um, you know. Need, need my help. But I praise God that God has been sustaining them. And even though without any of us, with my brother here, Ariel and Anne, God has been protecting them and sustaining them. And it's been a year that, almost a year, that they've been alone at home, just the two of them. And it's hard for us as a family. But we desire for them to be here. And it's coming soon. It's very close now. Hopefully in the next month or two, that they're going to have their interview and they're going to move here. And hopefully I can ask my mom to speak again next time. Because <laughs> you know my mom, you probably heard my mom speak. She's, you're going to, it's going to, sometimes you hold your breath when you hear her speak. <laughs> but uh, I praise God that God is sustaining them. Uh, before I head to a message, I just want to make one announcement. You know, the church leaders, uh, leaders of every ministry, we have a leadership team, and uh, we meet once every month. And uh, one of the things that we talk about, uh, pretty much that's the topic yesterday. There were supposed to be multiple topics, but uh, we didn't. We spent a lot of time this one thing, and that is the decision whether we're going to move to a new place or continue to stay here. And uh, so there's a church across the street. Not across William Cannon, but across uh, I-35. Uh, it's close to HEB and I-35. It's not far from here. You can walk if you want to, but you have to cross I-35. And it's Oak Meadow Baptist Church. If you, you drive along I-35, for those of you who's been here for the last few years, uh, um, you probably didn't know about this, but we used to meet at that place uh, seven years ago. And the reason why we left is because uh, for some, uh, one reason was safety because we were on the second floor and, and there were issues being meeting at the second floor, you know, especially for older people going up the stairs. So we decided to move to a place that's on the ground floor like this. But now one of their venues, pretty much their main sanctuary back then, they built a new sanctuary that's 800 seater, good for eight. 600, 800 people. So they had their old sanctuary, which can hold 300 people, is vacant. And unfortunately, we cannot use it in the morning. So we're going to use it still on the same time, afternoon. And the reason why we cannot move our service in the morning is because they have only one Sunday school area for the kids. So we cannot really use, two churches cannot use the same Sunday school area. So that's the reason why we still meet in the afternoon. It's because of the Sunday school. But they're Sanctuary is, is open. And so we, we put, put, put a couple of items on our list that we, that we want to have uh, as a church. The price, of course, has to be, the price has to be right. But I think the decision yesterday, the price is not really that huge. doesn't really in, in matter much. Because one of the biggest factors that we would like to move is, of course, safety, number one and uh, uh, the size of the place. Uh, safety is because you know that when you get in this door, if you're late, you're ashamed to come in maybe because everyone's going to see you. No, that's not the reason. Uh, problem is, sorry, there's no way of knowing whoever is going to come in that door. And you just see, if there's somebody who's going to come in, he's just going to come be right in front of all of us. So that place has a lobby, and I hope you can see it, but it has a lobby, and at least we can be more organized and be able to bring come people, 
people come in and it's more safer, right? You know, today there's a lot of challenges among churches. You hear, hear shootings in churches right now. And I know God is going to protect us. I hope uh, you're not going to be fearful about that. But it's good to be cautious, right? It's good to be watchful. And that way, if there's a lobby where there's glass windows or doors, you can see who's about to come. You can, you can monitor. Uh, but, uh, but the biggest safety uh, benefit for us is the kids. Because their Sunday school area is closed and there's only one door to get in. And unlike on that hallway there, it's shared by adults and children. So it's difficult to control who, who walks through that hallway, right? But if you have an area where all the kids are in there and no adult can come in except only the teachers, so at least we can monitor the, all the kids coming in and out of that area. Like there's a, you know, they cannot just go out. And it's a big place. There's a, there's a central worship area for the kids and there's four or five classrooms in that, inside that enclosed area. So they can be, you know, you can close the door and let them do whatever they want inside there. So it's, it's really safety. And of course, we won't, we, if we want to be aggressive in inviting people, which I hope you do, you'll invite more people. Um, having a bigger place will help us be more confident in inviting, inviting people. And I, I like to maintain this setup. And I think we, I hope all you, you all like this setup, uh, restaurant style. And the reason why we want this is, for me, there's a philosophy that I learned a long time ago about church. You know, the church has to be very interactive. We should know each other, love each other, know each other's faces. And when you sit down in that style called auditorium style, you only see the backs of people's necks. And you, know, you just watch their hair, gray hair, no hair, long hair. <laughs> That's what you see in churches, right? You just see the hair. I hope you don't see anything else more than the hair, right? <laughs> but having this style is you get to see people's faces, at least, you know, partially. Um, so that, that's why we want to maintain this because, you know, we want to love one another. And the only first thing to, know, to love before you can love someone is to know someone. And before you can know someone, you need to know someone's face, right? Sadly, even in a small church, not all of you know everyone. I found that out. Kahit malit yung church natin, you kilala lahat pa rin. So, so please uh, get to know everyone. If you see someone you don't know, ask the name. I know many of you are guilty of this because when I mention names, I said, sino yan? Pupunta sa church yan every Sunday. So, so you, get, you need to meet with everyone. If you don't know anyone here, you're not familiar, you have to, to, to meet with that person, talk to the person. So we have some requirements aside from having our own uh, office or storage space. Uh, in terms of time, we have a requirement in terms of what time do we meet there on Saturday, on, on Sunday, you know, um, chairs, tables, kitchen, how much of the kitchen that's available to us, and storage in the kitchen also for our stuff. So we will have all those requirements, and if they meet our requirement, then we'll move. But if there are certain requirements that really is important to us, but we are not able to uh, get then we might just keep on staying here until we, we can buy our own place. Pray, I pray that God will give it, give, it, give it to us sooner, but being a more, if you look at our finances, it's going to take a while. <laughs> so it will take a miracle from God. It will take a miracle from God. So, so this is what we're thinking. and So we're not going to do this this year. Uh, uh, we're going to plan to do this by January. If everything is good, then we'll make the move by January or February. Um, but there's a lot of preparation. And one of the preparations that I would like us to do as a church before we move there is to clarify membership. Meaning, uh, I want to know who are really committed to this church. Uh, because that's important. The church is a covenant of, God, of, of believers. Meaning, when you look at local churches, like a church out down the road, our church, it's a covenant of believers who are making a decision. We are making a covenant, an agreement that we're going to meet together, encourage one another, do life together, serve one another. So it's a covenant. Meaning there are people who come to church, come and go, come and go. 
maybe they they want that. That's the, some people they're called church uh, hoppers, where they just go from one church to another to another to another. I mean, you can if you want to be like that, that's okay. But I know those kinds of people who hop churches, they don't grow in their faith. They're, they don't grow, and I've been there before, and I know that I didn't grow when I did that. So so when we are committed to a church, there has to be a co- covenant where we agree that we're going to work together to make this happen. Because the church is not really, the pastor is not the, some people think the pastor is the CEO of the church, the owner of the church. I'm just one of the members of the church as well. Someone said the pastor is just the lead sheep. sheep. He's not the shepherd. You know, Jesus is really the shepherd. I I do some kind of shepherd role, of course. That's the role of pastor because the, the word pastor is shepherd. But in reality, who is the she- real real shepherd here? It's Jesus. And I'm just the sheep, you know, <laughs> the first sheep that follow, follows and you're probably there. But I'm also a follower. So, so the thing is, the church can exist without a pastor still. Because there are other people who can also help lead, right? Meaning, that if you remember the Apostle Paul, when he was the person who started those churches throughout the Mediterranean. But, but eventually, once the church was at a certain maturity, the church was able to stand on its own without the Apostle Paul. And so it takes commitment. It takes, what do you call this? Uh, uh, you know, dedication, devotion to one another and to the group, to the to community, for the church to stand. You know, some churches, when they don't have a pastor, the, the members, the leaders, the elders began to also preach. And I praise God that this happened in the past three weeks, right? Without me, the church continued to to function, continue to do ministry. And that's good. That's a good thing. That's a good thing that the church can go on do ministry without the pastor. But of course, God has ordained the church that there should be a pastor in the church. It's part of God's plan, design for the church. But I'm just telling that telling you that uh, the church needs to be able to stand together. And that's why it takes covenant a covenant. So we're going to work that out if we make this move. I want to work that out with each of you. I know we did some covenant with some of you before. We're going to update that. Uh, we're going to redo. Um, I would say, yeah, just update that, what we did before. Okay, so I what I'm going to do today, I'm going to try to finish Acts. We're, gonna, we're not going to, it's Christmas already, so I know you're going to expect me to talk about Christmas. <laughs> Uh, next week, let's talk about a Christmas message. But today, I want to close this series on Acts. And we're not going to finish the entire book. Uh, let's just finish on, on the third missionary journey of Paul. And, and so we're going to talk about the third missionary journey. Unfortunately, I forgot my glasses. So I'm going to have to be creative on how I'm going to do this. Because I cannot clearly read my Bible. Um, so... The third we finish on let's see. just want to make sure I got all the unfortunately okay so this is Paul's uh, third that's okay Marvin uh, I don't know if I know <laughs> oh this is a reading glass Marvin that's okay it's not I need something that's long distance. So, this is Paul's last journey, I would say, that he planned, he, he prepared for, he, he, he desired to do. But Paul had one more journey after this, and that was a one-way trip to Rome. That was really Paul's last, I would say, last missionary journey, because this one, he had a one-way trip to Rome where he was uh, imprisoned in Rome and on house arrest. But this journey is similar to the first two, where Paul, you know, made a decision, I'm going to go and, and do this trip, reach out to churches, establish churches, encourage churches. Um, and this starts on, on chapter 19. So, so, so I'm not going to put, put all the text there in front later on, but... I want you to open your Bibles on Acts chapter 19 and hold on to it for now because I'm going to do some introduction first. And we're going to walk through Acts chapter 19 and Acts 20. We're going to just walk through 
where what Paul did and where did he go. But let me just go back to, since this is the last message on Acts, let me go back first on what we really uh, talk about at the beginning in relation to Acts. So, unlike the Gospels and unlike the letters, you notice if you read the Gospel, if you read the letters, there's a lot of teaching in those Gospels, in the Gospels and the letters. There's a lot of teaching. Um, if you compare the Gospels and the letters, Romans, uh, uh, Corinthians, and of course the Gospels, uh, John, Matthew, if you compare that to the book of Acts, it's like comparing uh, a textbook versus a newspaper. I hope you got that. Acts reads like a newspaper, while Romans, you know, uh, Corinthians, they, it reads like a textbook. Now, you might be wondering, well, how can Acts be useful for my spiritual journey as a Christian, my spiritual life, my spiritual growth, maturity, faith? If you're just going to, what you're going to read in Acts is, is just going to talk about, oh, Paul did this, Paul went to this place, oh, Paul, you know, encountered a riot here, or some people who wanted to kill him, uh, oh, Paul, uh, you know, went, met this person, and this person surrendered his life to Christ, he was put to prison. You know, it just describes events, circumstances, uh, you know, places, cities like that. So you're thinking, how can this help my Christian life? You know, unlike, unlike, unlike if you read uh, uh, the letters, you'll read about, you know, uh, the glory of Christ, the, the, you know, the responsibilities of a believer, describes who God is, who Jesus is. Uh, the things, the commands of God. So there's, it's more, I would say it's more uh, something that you can really apply directly to your life as you read it. But when you read Acts, it just talks about places and, 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 and you know, what Paul did and what he accomplished. Uh, of course, Peter as well and, and the rest of the apostles. The truth is, Acts is very useful to us as believers. It has, it has significant impact to our, us as Christians. That's why I encourage you to really read the book of Acts even though it reads like a newspaper. And the reason why, it's similar to the Old Testament books of uh, historical narrative books, like, you know, Chronicles, uh, you know, if you do your Bible reading, uh, Kings, it's similar to those books, Kings, Chronicles, and many of the other historical books in the Old Testament, even the Torah as well. So this is the reason why I would say when we, when we started, why Acts is important first, you know, Acts gives us convincing uh, proofs or evidence that the New Testament and many and, and, and all the details of the New Testament is grounded in reality. Meaning, meaning the apostles, uh, the places, the circumstances, the events in the book of Acts and the New Testament is grounded in reality. reality. These are real events. These are real events. These are not, these are not myths. These are not legends. These are not. This is not fiction. Uh, in fact, uh, the Apostle Paul uh, said these words. He, he said, "He said we did not follow clever, cleverly devised stories, myths, legends. When we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power, meaning, meaning Paul is telling us that what we believe as Christians, these are not legends. These are not made-up stories." Of course, there are stories in the Bible. Of course, you know that. There's different kinds of, we, in our young adult group, we, uh, we're studying, uh, you know, how to study your Bible. And one of the things we talk about is that in the Bible, you'll find different kinds of literary devices. Like, you know, uh, there's parables, poems, songs. But there are also what we call historical narratives. History. And Acts is one of those. This is a historical narrative. And everything that you read in the book of Acts are real, real events. Places are real. The people are real. The miracles are real miracles. They're not, they're not fiction. They're not legends. Uh, and, and the reason for this is that when you know that everything that happens in Scripture, especially the book of Acts and the Gospels, are real, and you are convinced that this really happened, it strengthens faith, strengthens your faith. Because remember, the, the, the definition, what's the definition of faith? Definition of faith is this, that faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance of what we do not see. You have this confidence, you have this assurance. You are very, without a doubt, 100% without a doubt, you know that this is true. 
That is faith. And, and, and in fact, none of us were there, right? During the time of the Apostle Paul and Peter, none of you were there. None of us were there. That's, this happened almost 2,000 years ago. And so, so, so what's our confidence? We are confident that the guy who wrote this, Luke, is telling the truth. That's our confidence. We are confident in the eyewitness testimony. That's our confidence. We know that what Paul said, what Luke has written, what, what Peter has said, and what they have written is true. And how do you prove that this is true? You can prove it because the places they talk about, the events they talk about, the people they talk about are real people, are real events, are real places. And I'm going to give you some evidence later on as we go through it. Um, Acts also uh, explains a lot of things. Just imagine, if there's the gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, then suddenly you have all the letters, Romans, Corinthians, uh, Ephesians, and without the book of Acts, you're going to scratch your head. Gospels, Jesus was crucified, he resurrected, and, and then here comes Romans, and, and uh, here comes Romans, the next book after Acts, and without Acts, you're going to scratch your head. Where did this book come from? What is Romans? What is Corinthians? Who are these people? Who are the Romans? Who are the Corinthians? So, so you have no idea on why all these books exist. Without Acts, wala kang idea bakit may Revelation, bakit may, may Corinthians, or why is there Galatians? You'll have no clue. Because at the end of the gospel, Jesus just simply resurrected and doesn't even talk about the ascension yet until the book of Acts later on. So, you'll never know. And you'll never know how the church started. Why are there Christians? Bakit may mga Christians? Why, are, why is there a church today? Why is there a Christian church today? That is explained in the book of Acts. It is the birth of the church. That's why we call it. Acts basically is the baby book of the church. The baby, you know, baby album of the church. Uh, another thing. I'm oh, sorry, I'm going back to this. Uh, Acts demonstrates to us the life of the church. The life of the church. Demonstrate to us the life of the church. Now, if you notice all the, all the, the portions of the Bible that, ta- that, that has teaching, like for instance, uh, go back to Romans. Romans is a very good book to study. It's teaching. The Gospels, of course, there's teaching there. No, no the, the letters, like Romans, tells you what Christians should believe, what we should believe, uh, what we, how we should think. And it is written by different, the different followers of Christ. Of course, Apostle Paul wrote Romans, for instance. But, but if you're going to ask the question, this guy who wrote Romans, how did, he, how, he, how did he live his life? What kind of life did he live? Uh, how did he obey all these commands? His belief, his teaching, how did he do it? How did he obey? And you know, if you're just going to read the, you know, the, the letters, you, you will not have a good picture on how did Paul live his life as a Christian. And that's why Acts is important is because this is where we'll see the practical side of Christianity. How do you actually do Christianity in a practical sense? How do you actually do church in a practical sense? Ano ba talagang dapat gawin natin sa church? The Bible says, let us love one another. Okay. Let us forgive one another, patient with one another. Yes. We know that in theory, but in practical sense, how, 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 how does it happen? And this is where you find in, what you find in the book of Acts. It tells us that they met in their homes, they ate together, not only on Sundays, they, on, on the first, they call it the first day of the week or the Lord's Day, but they also met daily in their homes, they ate together, discussed the Bible together. In fact, there is discussion, discussion talaga. In sometimes arguments. And, and they, 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 they prayed for one another, not just Sunday. So you see the activity that's happening. That's, I think that's why it's called acts. <laughs> Action, activity. You know, the things that they're doing. And what does it mean to share the gospel? And you read about Paul riding a boat, getting into a bus. Maybe camel. camel. I didn't remember Bible mentions Paul riding a camel. Maybe getting into the boat. 
going into a city and, and talking to strangers. So you see the act, you don't read that in the letters. The letters doesn't say, hey, you have to go out to share the gospel. You have to go into a boat, get down, ride a kalesa or a horse, then go to this house. <laughs> you know, it doesn't describe the actual practical rubber meets the road kind of thing. Acts does that. You have a, an example of a person being a missionary. You have a person, an example of people who are re- preaching the gospel. You can see what they're doing, what they actually did. You have an example of a church, what their church is supposed to do on a Sunday. So, so, so that's what the beauty of the book of Acts. And, and in fact, Paul said, this is what you find in Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live, I live in the body. In the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. So you, you, you know this in theory. This is what you know in your mind. But when you read the, the, the book of Acts, you'll see, oh, this is, you'll see this happening in the life of the Apostle Paul. Makikita mo in practical sense. That he was willing to risk his life at the point of sometimes people wanting to kill him and he would continue even preaching the gospel. There was a riot against him. So, so this is really why Acts is important. And, and so let's walk through the third missionary journey and I hope I have enough time to get some things, some lessons out of this. So, so, so I hope you can see this. Uh, uh, it's my, I, I tried to create that map because many of the maps that uh, I got was not very, uh, very clear. Okay, so, uh, so, so I, I hope this is clearer. Okay, so let's walk through each of the things that Paul did in his third missionary journey. This is the third missionary journey of Paul. These are all the places he went to. And the num- I, I pointed out also the number of years or months he spent in those places. So, so prior to this, Paul was, was at his second missionary journey. And at the end of his second missionary journey, he actually passed by Ephesus on his second missionary journey. He passed by Ephesus. He didn't really stay long because he wanted to go back to Syria, to Antioch. But he left two of his friends there. Uh, Priscilla and Aquila. He, he left his friends there. So after the second missionary journey of Paul, he ended up in Antioch. So of some of you already know that Antioch, this city, was the center of Christianity back then. Originally, it was Jerusalem down there. Okay, so sorry. Originally, it was Jerusalem down there, but because of persecution, the center of Christianity was moved to Antioch. And so it was Antioch who sent Paul into, into all these mission trips. So this Antioch, parang kung sa atin pa ngayon, if I'm going to say, I'm going to send Carlo to mission, to a mission trip, we are the sending church of Carlo. We will we'll send Carlo to go to, let's say, wherever, uh, uh, Somalia, for instance, or Ivory Coast, or something in, somewhere in Africa, and, and he's going to do mission trip there. So same thing with Paul. Uh, uh, it was Antioch who was the sending church of Paul. And in the third missionary journey, what we find in the, if you're going to um, go at the beginning of Acts uh, 19, let's see, at the beginning of Acts 19, oh, let me go back down to 18, a little bit back to 18. Okay, 18. Uh, so, Acts 18. Let's go back a little bit on Acts 18, verse uh, 23. Uh, so, it says there, Acts 18, 23. After spending time in Antioch, so Paul spent a short time in Antioch after his second missionary journey. And he set out and traveled from place to place throughout the region of Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening the disciples. The first thing Paul did, let me just carry my mic so I can... Uh, first thing he did is he went to these places. If you know the book of Galatians, this was the place that letter was written, Galatia. So that's where Paul wrote that letter too. He spent a, a short time here strengthening the churches in, those, in that area, in, in that entire 
region is called Asia Minor. That, that's the, what the place is called. And those in Galatia and Phrygia, they are, they're actually sort of provinces, parang provincia. Just like if you're going to go back here in Jerusalem, this, this area here is Israel, and Judea and Gal- Galilee are province, sort of provinces. They're provinces of Jerusalem, uh, of, of Israel, sorry. And so after going through Phrygia and, and Galatia, what Paul ended up in the city of Ephesus. So he was here before when he left his two friends, Priscilla and Aquila. Now he stayed here longer. He actually stayed for three years. We just read it in the scripture reading. He stayed there for three years. And, and what he did there, he tried to share the gospel with the Jews. But the Jews were, re, were resistant to the gospel. So he ended up sharing the gospel with non-Jews, with, with, with uh, the Greeks and other you know, Gentiles. And, and he spent a long time there among those, among, among those uh, uh, Gentile uh, followers. Um, and I don't have to go into detail what happened there, but, but Paul particularly spent time with 12, 12 leaders, 12 converts, and they discuss every day. They discuss the Word of God every day. There's this sort of, we can say, Bible study, but they do it every day. And, and, and he also continued to minister to more people. As a result, there were many converts uh, uh, in, in, uh, in, in Ephesus. We talked about this last week. In fact, some sorcerers and, and you know, people who practice witchcraft, they ended up converting to Christianity. And even followers of the local religion became, you know, Christians. And what happened is there was a riot that happened in Ephesus. Because what happened is many people are being converted to Christianity to the point that this local religion, the worship of Artemis, uh, they're losing, they're losing clients. <laughs> meaning, meaning people used to worship this image, yung imahen, yung idol of Artemis. Now people are not anymore doing it. There are less and less people doing it. And if you're gonna, I'm just gonna give you a picture of that. So this was the temple of Artemis, just a replica, a model of temple of Artemis in Ephesus back in the first century. Ngayon wala na yan, ruwen na lang yan. Pero this was considered one of the seven wonders in the ancient world. And this was in Ephesus. And this was losing business because of the Apostle Paul. And what was their business? They were making idols of Artemis. So this is Artemis. Uh, it's a, she's, she's a fertility god, goddess. And this is, by the way, Wonder Woman. Yung Wonder Woman natin ngayon comes from this. This is Diana of the Romans. And, and of course, the Avengers took advantage of it and made it into a superhero. <laughs> but this is, this is the goddess, uh, Artemis. And, and, and this is what the Ephesians worship. And they make small images, idols, para ibenta. Kasi para they have their images in their houses as well, right? And so people were protesting against this because they're make, not making as much money. And, and so, sorry, mic test, okay. And, and, and so they tried to, uh, there was a mob that tried to kill Apostle Paul and of course, uh, you know, hurt Apostle Paul and his companion. And so as a result, you know, uh, one thing, they took, took Paul's companion to this, uh, uh, um, we don't know this is, if this is the exact one, but this is, there, there was a theater, there was an amphitheater where all the people of the city, you know, was doing this mob and riot and they took the Paul into this, but Paul didn't go. His, his, uh, the other disciples didn't want him to go because, you know, it might cost him his life. But some of his uh, fr- uh, companions went. And, and so it became very chaotic in Ephesus that afterwards, after this event, and Paul by this time was already three years in Ephesus, probably two or three years, more than two years in Ephesus. After this event in Ephesus, Paul left. He left Ephesus. So he ended up going through uh, uh, the, the Troas and Philippi. So, so he visited again those cities that he, uh, he, he visited before. And there are now churches in the city, in the cities. Uh, and he started, in, and the Bible says that he went and encouraged churches in the process. And went to Berea as well. Then, then he ended up in Corinth. And he stayed three months in Corinth. So... And this is where Paul, around this time, when he was in Corinth for three months, this is where he wrote the book of Romans. Diyan niya sinulat yung Romans. 
So he wrote that letter to the, to, to Rome, for, for the Christians in Rome. But what Paul found out when he was in Corinth, and you're going to read it at the beginning of, uh, at the beginning part of chapter 20, we're moving quickly. Because um, I cannot read my own Bible. I'm trying to read it from my iPhone. <laughs> Anyway, um, so he traveled to Macedonia. By the way, this area is Macedonia. That's a, that's a province of, of, of Greece, and Achaia also is a province of Greece. So, by the way, one of the famous people that came from Macedonia is, you know him? Alexander the Great. He was from Macedonia. Uh, so, Paul ended up in, 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 in Corinth. What, he, what happened in Corinth is he found out that there was... He was already planning to go back from here. He was already planning to go back to Jerusalem because he was carrying the, the offering that was supposed to help the Jews here in Jerusalem, so together with his companions. But they found out that there was a plot to arrest him in Jerusalem around the time in, when he was in Corinth. So what Paul did is the, the yellow line there is his return trip. The orange line is his uh, trip to Ephesus and Corinth. His return trip is the yellow one. So he, instead of going back to Jerusalem directly, he decided to retrace his step back again. And he ended up in this, going back to those cities. Then, I just want to mention significant events here. He ended up in Troas and he stayed there for seven days. And, and so, so this is what happened in the city of Troas. And now it's going to be on chapter, in chapter 20, verse 7. Uh, in chapter, chapter 20, verse 7 now. We're now in chapter 20. And now he came back and went to Troas, stayed there for seven days. And, and it turned out that when he was there, it was, uh, it was the first day of the week. So meaning Sunday, Satin, and they did a Sunday service there. Interesting Sunday service. Listen to this. On the first day of the week... We came together to break bread. So what did they do? They broke bread. They did communion. We're going to do communion later on. So they did communion, break bread, uh, verse 20, uh, chapter 20, verse 7. And Paul spoke to the people, and because he intended to leave the next day, he kept on talking. So because he, he was there only, he was about to leave the next day, he kept on talking. Imagine he was probably there in the morning or lunch. I don't know exactly. But kept on talking and preaching. Until when? Until midnight. <laughs> He probably spoke for hours and hours and hours. Sermon for eight hours. Can you stand? See that? Like sermon for how many hours? Until midnight. In fact, I think this lasted till the morning probably. They were, there were many lamps in the upstairs room where they were meeting. Verse, uh, I'm on verse uh, eight. No? Oh, no. And seated in a window. So while he was preaching, probably this second floor house, it was full of people. And there were people sitting on the window. I know, you know, in the Philippines, uh, like in the Philippines, there are windows that are open. Walang, walang, you know, those uh, windows with capis, capis shells. Probably they have something like that there. And, and, and this one of the a young men was seated by the window. was a young man named Eutychus. Uh, and who was sinking into sleep. Because I don't know, 8 hours, 12 hours na nagpipreach si Paul, inaantok na, di ba? And this guy was sinking into deep sleep and as Paul talked on and on, non-stop preaching, and he was sound asleep, he fell to the ground from the third story. This was the third story. And he was dead. He was picked up dead, namatay. So, lesson to you, wag kayong antok-antok sa sermon. <laughs> Don't, don't sleep during the sermon, okay? Because there's a chance that you're going to die. <laughs> then, then Paul went down, threw himself around this young man, put his arms around him. He said, don't be alarmed. He said, he's alive. So, so God did a miracle here. Young person, a hulug from the third floor, is alive again. And they went upstairs again and broke bread and ate. So after... Break bread, Lord's Supper, they, 
they had the uh, pagkain meal because I think this was already morning because after talking until daylight, imagine preaching the whole night. And the people took the young men home alive and they were greatly comforted. Meaning, hi, salamat. <laughs> hi, thank you. Si Kwan wal hindi matay. And so that's what happened there. Then, Paul ended up leaving Troas. He was on the, he was, there was a strange account here. In, in, I think in As- Asos, Paul, his companions went to this city by ship, by boat. And Paul decided not to take the boat, but he decided to walk. Linakad niya tong Troas hanggang walk from Troas to Asos. Then, from Asos, they started traveling by sea. Uh, in the city of Mytilene, I think that's, uh, yeah. And, and, and Chios, Samos, Kos, and Rhodes. So these were, these were actually ports. There were ports here where the boats stopped. Ports. And mga pantalan, ports. And, and he ended up in Rhodes. By the way, today in Rhodes, in this, in this island, there's a beach there named St. Paul's Bay. Because they believe that that's where St. Paul went to when during that time. If you go to this place today, there's a bay there named after the Apostle Paul. Then to Patara, then it ended up in Tyre. So towards the end of, of chapter 20, he ended up going back. So Paul pretty much decided even at the, cost, at the risk of his life. Because he was, they were planning to arrest him in Jerusalem and put him on trial eventually. But Paul still decided, I'm going to go there. I'm going to go there, even if it costs my life. And so Paul ended up in Jerusalem after going to all these cities. So, so this is the events in the Apostle Paul's third missionary journey. We don't have the time to go in detail. But I want, in closing, I want to focus on what he said to the Ephesian elders while he was in Ephesus. Oh, no, in Miletus, in the city. So what happened is when Paul went and, and his boat, when his boats passed by Miletus, the city here, he didn't have time to go, to, go back to Ephesus. Wala na siyang time para bumalik doon to go here. So the leaders of Ephesus ended up coming down here. You can read about this in chapter 20. The leaders of Ephesus ended up coming down here and to meet with the Apostle Paul. And that's, what the, that's the passage that, that uh, Renel read earlier. Paul shared his heart, bared his heart to the, to the people, to the leaders, the elders, the leaders of, of Ephesus, the, lead, the Ephesians leader. And the, the passage is in your program. It's, it starts with verse uh, 13. Yeah, Ephesian elders starts with verse 13 on chapter 20. And we're going to look into this because uh, what I want to I share here is from this passage is that it describes our life as a church, you know, what are the things we need to do as a church? Or what, you know, what does the Apostle Paul expect a church to do? Uh, it doesn't describe everything, but, but at least gives, some, some, gives us some insight. So, so let's start with verse 13 on chapter, uh, chapter 20. And we're going to go verse by verse here till the end. When he went ahead to the ship that sailed to Asus, Asus or Asus, where, where we, so where we were going to take Paul aboard, he had made his this arrangement because he was going there on foot. So Paul decided to go on foot instead of go to the ship. You notice that there's the word "we" there. So what does it mean? Why? Why? What does it mean when there's a "we" here? Huh? Yeah, Luke is there. Luke is here already. Because Luke was the author of Acts, right? So, so Luke was involved here. So, so Luke, was, they were, Luke was on the ship while Paul decided to, to walk. He said he went on foot from, from, from uh, Troas to Asos or Asos. Then in verse 15, uh, sorry, verse 14. When he met us at Asos, he took him, we took him aboard and went on to, to Mytilene. Then the next day, so your next city, Mytilene, and the next day, they set sail there and arrived in Geos, the next city there, and, and they, the day after that, we crossed over to Samos, another island, 
By the way, all the, if you if you look at the map of Greece and that portion there, it's called the Aegean Sea. There's a lot of islands there. I think one, those are one of the places I, I really want to go one of one of these days. I really want to visit that area, the Aegean Sea. There's a lot of nice islands there to hop around, check out. Uh, the day after that, we cross over to Samos. Then the following day, they arrive at Miletus. So that, that place there, not too far from Ephesus. They arrive here. And so imagine this was in the port. Sa Pantalan. This was in the port. And Paul decided to sail past Ephesus. Why? To avoid spending time in the province of Asia. So he was in a hurry. So for he was in a hurry to reach Jerusalem, if possible, by the day of Pentecost. So nagmamadali siya pumunta ng Jerusalem. And so, from Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. So yung mga elders of Ephesus, the leaders, went to meet with Paul Miletus, probably sa pier on the port. And when they arrived, they... He said to them, so this is Paul's message. You know how I lived the whole time I was with you from the first day I came to the province of Asia. Asia, by the way, is referring to not our Asia now, Asia Minor, that area there. It's Turkey today, by the way, uh, the country of Turkey. A province of Asia, I served the Lord with great humility, with tears, and in the midst of severe testing, meaning opposition, riots, and everything, mobs, in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents, you know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. So Paul was preaching, teaching the word of God publicly, from house to house, and, and the riots and mobs and the plots against his own life did not stop him. That's why Paul, in his writing Galatians, we just read earlier, I am crucified with Christ. It's not I that live, but Christ live in me. The life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. Meaning I'm not living for myself now. Did you know that this is the life of a Christian? This is the expectation of God for each of you? That we're not living for ourselves now? If, if I'm going to follow my heart today, I'm going to stay back home in the Philippines. I would not have come back right now because my parents need me. And it's a, it's a real need because both of them are old and my mom is sick. But there's a need for me to be here. And if I'm just going to, and I'm not easily, I cannot just follow my own desires anymore, what I want. Because I believe that God wants me back here. Sorry, my phone lock. <laughs> and, and so, continue. Uh, verse 21. Oh, think about this. Paul taught publicly, meaning like a church setting, house to house as well. You know, just like us right now, we have discussions. We have Bible studies from house to house, our life group. So, so, so this is one of the things that we want for our church because this is what the Bible does. This is what they did. Not just in this kind of place, not just in a, what you call church place. House to house. They did house to house teaching, discussions. I have decided both to Jews, 21, I have decided both to Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So what was Paul teaching most of the time? The gospel. In fact, if you read back 19 and 20, most of the time what they did is they tried to prove to people that Jesus is the Messiah. And that's what we need to do all the time. You know, you have lots of friends who are non-Christians. Your goal, one of the things you want to do is to really convince them, prove to them that Jesus is the Messiah. You know, we were, my family, uh, Rel and I, we, we met a family a couple of days ago. And they were not Filipinos. Right? So they're an Indian family uh, and Indian. And, and of course, you know, they have a different belief. But it, it's been a challenge for me to share the gospel with them because, you know, but we tried little by little. Um, and, and, and they even know a lot of things about the Bible. <laughs> but, but the thing is, uh, there was one point that I felt that they sort of gave a negative critici uh, criticism against, against some of the things we believe. So I stayed silent because I don't know how to respond to that. <laughs> But at least what I did is I was able to pray for them during the mealtime. And, and, and at least that was the first, first step. 
And we were there for, I don't know, four hours, five hours talking with him. <laughs> we went home at one in the morning. <laughs> and I was still in jet lag, struggling with jet lag. So, so I hope, I pray that the next meeting I will be able to say more. But at least in this first meeting, we just prayed during, prayed for them during the, the, the meal time. So, so, so whenever you meet with people who are non-Christians, there's always this desire to share the gospel all the time. Like the Apostle Paul, whenever he went to places, there's always, let that be your fir- first desire of your heart. Of course, you need to know the person, you know, relate to the person in a normal way, you know, like, like anyone else. But there has to be an intention to share the gospel. Because you know, you don't know. You don't know what's, you know, what's going to happen. Uh, verse 22, now compelled me, and now compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I know that in every city, the Holy Spirit wants me, uh, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardship are facing me. So there's always warning of suffering. Suffering. And, you know, this reminds us that Christian life is not only, you know, not only to believe in God. Remember the message last week? But to also suffer for Him. That's why the life of a Christian, some of you are confused. Why is it that being a Christian is harder than not being non-Christians? Because Satan is against you now. You know, before you became a Christian, let me, this is the truth. Satan was your friend. And he didn't want to, to, you know, he didn't want to steer the pot in your life. He wants to make your life comfortable so that you will not accept Christ. He will make your life easy. He will give you everything you want so that you will not even consider Christ in your life. That's why unbelievers, sometimes they have very comfortable lives. Parang walang problema. But now you become a believer, a follower of Christ. There's a lot of conflict going on now. Your old friends don't like you anymore. Uh, your family, sometimes they don't like you anymore. And, 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 and sometimes the things that you you like before, like the sin that you like before, you like to watch whatever bad things there, you want to do whatever bad things there before you enjoyed it. Now you're like, mm, I don't I don't feel I need to do this anymore. So it becomes harder, it becomes more difficult. There's more challenges, problems. Verse 24. However, I considered my life, this is what Paul thinks. He said, and this is how we should think. However, I considered my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. And I think that's true for us as well. Our aim in life is to finish the race. Because what is life compared to eternity? This is nothing. 80 years, 100 years in this world is nothing compared to infinite life. Eternity, even if, you, if, even if eternity, it's not eternity, but even if eternity is a million years. That's very long. But eternity has no end. And are you just, it's like somebody giving you a piece of rock and someone else is telling you, hey, I'm gonna give you a I'm gonna give you this big diamond. And you're holding on to this small rock. Mm, nice rock. Hey, take this diamond instead. I'm gonna give this to you. Throw away that rock. And that's what a lot of people are doing. We're so we're like, we love this life. We enjoy everything here. I want to, you know, do everything for this life. But we're just holding a piece of rock. Eventually, that rock is going to go away. You're going to go back. You're going to leave this world naked. You have your nice houses. You have your retirement fund. You got millions of dollars, millions of dollars somewhere. But eventually, you're going to leave that behind. And that's why Paul thinks correctly. And we need to think like the Apostle Paul, that our goal is simply to accomplish what Christ called us to accomplish in this world. And of course, it doesn't mean that you're, you're going to run away from your families and, Lord, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to leave my baby behind. <laughs> no, you have a responsibility there. That's part of God's plan. But this is the mindset God wants us to do. The task, what is that? The task of testifying the good news of God's grace. It is the gospel. I hope you understand the gospel already. That's the major, major task of a Christian, to share the gospel. Because it's, it's only the way people are going to be saved. Verse, uh, okay, let's move quickly. Verse 28. Now, now I know that none of you, none, none of you among whom I have, I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. You will not be able to see me again. That was a sad statement. 
this is the last time you're going to see my face. <laughs> you're going to see me. That's sad. Um, in fact, they were sad when Paul said that. Because he, know, he knows he's going to be arrested. He's going to be put in prison. And he's going to be taken to Rome later on. Therefore, I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of any of you. For I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. What, the, what is Paul saying here? He is innocent of the blood of any of you. Tayo pala, if we do not share the gospel, you are actually guilty. It's a, basically what he's saying, you are guilty of a crime in a way. It's like that. You are guilty of some kind of crime. And that's the crime of not sharing the gospel. Because if you don't share, the Bible said this in a different, another place, that if you don't share the gospel of someone to someone who is lost, and you had the opportunity, the blood of that person is on your head. Meaning the person is going to go to hell, and you are to blame for it. Ikaw may kasalanan, bakit yung tao nasa impyerno? Because you did not make, it's your sin. Uh, it's your fault why that person is, is in hell. Because you did not make an effort to share the gospel with that person. That's why it really breaks my heart if I had the opportunity to share the gospel. And I didn't do it. And I, you know this story, right? I had few opportunities like that. And the person died that day. One person talked to me for a while and I wanted to share but I did not because I didn't find the right opportunity. Didn't really try my best. Then later I found out that evening he had a heart attack. And so we don't want the, you don't want that to happen. The, the blood of that person is on your head if you didn't make that effort. But Paul, he said the blood of your life is I'm innocent of the blood of any of you why for I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole counsel of God the whole will of God meaning proclaim to you the gospel but not only that but proclaim the whole message of God that's why as Christians I think it, it doesn't do justice when it comes to reading the Bible and reading only one verse a lot of people are so good at memorizing one verses which is important I'm not saying that you should not memorize one verse it's important to memorize the Bible and memorize verses. But we are called to read and understand the whole counsel of God. Because you cannot understand the Bible by just reading one verse. You cannot understand the Bible by just reading a few verses or even one chapter. You have to read the whole thing and you, that's the only time you're going to be able to understand what is really the Bible talking about. Now, I would recommend to read whole books of the Bible instead of just reading one chapter, one verse. Whole books, entire books, like the whole book of Acts, the whole book of Philippians, Romans. Because that's where, you, you know, think of a love, love letter from your, from your girl, you know, from your loved one. If you're going to read a love letter, are you just going to read, Dear Al, then I'm going to put down the letter. Or I'm going to read, P.S., I love you, <laughs> the end. <laughs> or uh, uh, why don't you cook dinner later tonight. I'm just going to read. You're not going to read one sentence if you re receive a love letter, right? You're going to read the whole thing. From, from Even you're going to read the date, you're going to read the comma maybe, if that's a love letter. Read the whole thing. Okay. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years, again, he's reminding them, I've been with you for three years, uh, Ephesians. I've been with you for three years. And in these three years, I, I, I never stop warning each of you day and night with tears. It reminds us, this is not true back then only, it's true today. Back then, there were many false teachers. False pastors and false churches. Many known. Meaning pastors that don't teach the word of God, that don't teach the truth. It's very common back then. Did you know that it's also very, very common today? A lot, a lot, a lot of false pastors. And, and their membership are very huge. There's a pastor in Houston that has 45,000 members. And he's a false teacher. And he smiles a lot. <laughs> right? Smiles. Smile palagi. I mean, there's a lot of this. And I know some of you probably listen to him. He's a false teacher. 
And, and there's many others. You might think that they're okay. They're not. You, you need to scrutinize their message. Look at all the details on what they teach. You don't just listen and say, oh, that's a good sermon. That's a good sermon. That not, that's not the gauge. You have to know scripture and compare what he's saying with what the Bible is saying. If it doesn't match with the scripture, chances are that's a false teacher. And, and that's why you notice what I do here so that I will not teach something false. I just read to you the Bible. You cannot, you cannot argue with me. You argue with the Bible. You argue with the Bible. And the problem is that can happen within the church as well. There are members in the church who could distort the truth. That's why in our church, I know some of you don't know this, but there were a few people who came to our church a couple of years ago and they were teaching something different. You know what I did? What Rel and I did? We met with that person. I, he was coming to our church for a time. He was coming every Sunday. And I heard, I noticed that he was talking to people and when the person he talked to shared to me what he shared, I said, that's not, that's not according to scripture. So, and, and, and so what I did is I met with that person in a restaurant together with Rella. And I told him, if you're going to continue teaching that, I don't want you to continue teaching that message in our, to our members. If you're not going to, if you're going to not stop doing it, I want you to leave this church right away. I don't want you, to, I don't want your shadow here. I don't want you to come here anymore. I told him that. And he didn't come back. But I have to do that because or else he's like a wolf. He's going to eat up everyone in the church. So the role of the pastor is to protect the church also. You don't just teach in the church. You also protect the members of the church by preventing them from you know, being eaten up by wolves. So that's why we need, to, we need to be aware of this. That's why Paul's talking about this story again. Sorry, one more time. Almost done. Almost done. Okay. In closing... Now I commit to you God, to God, and the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among those who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver, gold, or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed to you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is blessed to, to give than to receive. The Apostle Paul didn't rely on, the, on his salary from the church. He worked on his own. He had a job. He was a tent maker. And he, he tried to care for his needs. And also, he was able to give. Because he has a job, he was able to give. But another thing that he says here is that, that the word of grace, the word of God, is the one that helps us grow. Did you know that it is the word of God that will help you grow as a Christian? You know, a lot of people, they seek supernatural things. I know I, I was in the Philippines. I was talking to, to one of my cousins, and he was in part of a church where they have an event where they try to, to, try to experience spiritual things. You know, I know some of you come from churches that practices speaking in tongues or practices uh, a baptism of the Spirit or other kinds of supernatural things. Did you know that speaking in tongues and other things that are supernatural, even miracles, they don't help you grow in your Christian life at all? They don't. Even how many times you do supernatural miracles and things, it doesn't add up to your spiritual growth because what helps you grow is the Word of God. It's understanding the Word of God, knowing the Word of God. Because I've been there. I experienced that in my Christian life where I had a lot of supernatural experiences, but my life was sinful life. I wasn't changing. I wasn't growing in a Christian life. And I was crawling in mud. And that was my life. And so Paul tells us what are we to expect as a church. In closing in that, in that message, um, they were sad in the end that this is the last time they're going to see the Apostle Paul. And I'm going to leave it to you to read the rest of the book of Acts, starting in verse, uh, chapter 21. Um, Paul was brought to, to Jerusalem. And eventually he was arrested. He was taken to Caesarea. He was imprisoned there for a long time, for a quite some time. And in Caesarea, that's where he wrote some of his other letters. And, and, and from Caesarea, he was put on trial and eventually taken to Rome. And that's where he spent the last days of his life until he died. 
he was on house arrest. He was arrested and was in prison until he died. And it seems to be a sad ending in the life of the Apostle Paul, but through his imprisonments, he was able to preach the gospel to those who visited to him. While he was in house arrest in, in, in Rome, and that's the last part of the book of Acts, people came to him, came to him, and probably every day, and they was able to share the word of God to them. And the, the, the book of Acts somehow ends hanging. Walang, doesn't talk about the death of Paul, doesn't talk the death about death of Peter. You know, some people say that Peter died in Rome. There's really no evidence for that. We don't really know people whether Peter died in Rome or not. That's why the St. Peter's Basilica, we don't really know if it's, it's not St. Peter's. <laughs> Someone else died there, but not Peter. Um, so, so Acts is hanging. And, and, and the reason why? Because the story continues. The book of Acts continues. Because we're part of the book of Acts. We're part of this story. Continues. Because the church continued after the book of Acts. Even though the book of Acts ended, the church continued to grow. 